0: is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. <music> Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. Well, I'm happy today to have Alec Santiago on my show. Alec is a 28-year-old PhD student who researches how cell stress systems are affected by oxidation at MD Anderson. Alec is also the co-founder of a biotech company, Van Heren Labs. Author of the book Seeing Inside and has previously been a life coach, a nonprofit executive, and a podcast host. Alec, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here. And I'm excited to have you because I think you have a very interesting story. And I think my audience would definitely benefit from hearing about your life experience and what you're doing right now. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and I know, uh, Alec, I wanna give you the opportunity to talk about your childhood. Where did you grow up and what was it like?
1: Sure. So I grew up, I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh which is kind of a big dichotomy city. So there's a lot of Super rich areas and a lot of super poor areas, and I grew up in the super poor area. Uh, actually, my neighborhood was called the War Zone, and uh, I grew up in a household with a single mother, um, lots of drugs, quite a bit of abuse, quite a bit of just just rampant poverty. And so it was definitely a difficult childhood, I would say. I mean, you can probably fill in the blanks with a lot of other stories that are similar all across America. But, you know, as far as the name War Zone goes, you can probably get a pretty solid picture.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, where I'm at, too, in New York, it's very diverse. It's one of the most diverse counties. And with that diversity, again, you have areas that are affluent and then areas that are depressed. And, you know, each person, I grew up kind of in between that. And it it could be, you know, when you're walking around, I spoke about my childhood where there was like crack files on my street corner. Like when I was going to school, I used to see that. Um, is you know, what did you see in your neighborhood when you were a child? Like, did anything really like stand out to you?
1: You know, it was the weirdest thing. Like drugs were absolutely rampant. But one of the craziest things that happened was when I was in fourth grade, uh, there was a different group of people who maybe didn't like our, our friend group. And uh, one of them brought a machete to school and started chasing us around with it and had to be tackled by one of the supervisors. And um, the, the craziest thing about that is that that morning we knew that he had brought a weapon. And so I was talking to some of the other kids and like, I was freaking out. I was like, Aiden, I didn't know. And I was like on the verge of tears. And I looked into another kid's eyes as he was telling me what to do. And he's just like, when it's your time, man, it's, it's your time. And that level of heaviness does not, Come into an eight year old's brain without some sort of sustained trauma. So it was just a consistent chaos around the
0: neighborhood. Yeah, when an eight year old could say, you know, that, that just goes to show that maybe they're just callous to everything around you. You call it the war zone. What, what, why, why mm-hmm. did you term it that?
1: Oh, well, I didn't term it that. That's, uh, that's kind of what it's colloquially known as in the city.
0: Okay. And as yeah, just. You
1: can like Google war zone Albuquerque and like <laughs> the neighborhood will pop up.
0: Okay. And you grew up in that kind of environment and, you know, you attended school and you became a national merit scholar. Uh, given your childhood, what support did you have around you to achieve this accomplishment?
1: So it was weird because, you know, I had a lot of emotional support. Like my family was there and like I had a, a pretty big extended family. So, like, even when uh, my, my, mother wasn't doing so well. There was other family willing to step in. And a big part of that was actually, uh, I was removed from custody and transferred to my uncle's house uh, in high school and was able to get a bigger sense of stability. But even with all the emotional support, there wasn't any support in the sense of, you know, nobody had ever gone to college or applied to college or gone through any of that process or like had any sense of foresight when it comes to planning their future. So even though everybody around me wanted me to do better and believe that I could do better there was no way to like show me the steps to get there and so that that kind of support would have been nice
0: And going through the high school years, I know were there any teachers or mentors that was really trying to motivate you or were you just naturally gifted and just knew how to uh, go through the curriculum
1: you know a lot of it was my peers. You know, I, the the teachers were normal teachers. There were some pretty, pretty great teachers, but there were no real one-on-one moments or anything like that. But I was really receptive to my peers. And it was a weird kind of thing because, you know, I had come from a background that wasn't so great. And there were people around me who had just fine backgrounds and they knew what they were doing. And so it was almost a shame aspect where I tried to act more like them and, It was a it was a positive peer influence, you know, because I saw that they had plans and stuff and they were doing other things. And that's kind of what propelled me to to achieve anything beyond my own means.
0: Yeah, when my parents came to America, uh, they really, you know, did their best for me. But when when I went to high school, I was pretty much lost. I just didn't get it. And I think, you know, I could kind of relate to what you're saying. It was like listening to my friends who were saying that they were going to college, that they were applying. And that kind of led me into uh, my guidance counselor's office, Ms. Winters. And even though she was overwhelmed because I'm sure her caseload was like 400 to 1, you know, she really kind of told me you know, what my options were. So I'm always grateful to her about that.
1: Yeah. People like Miss Winters are fundamentally changing people's course of their entire lives by their little actions. You know, it can't be overstated how much help they give.
0: And, you know, it seems like your experience, I'm a first generation college student. Um, I was fortunate to, you know, go to college. I feel that way. Uh, Please share about your college experience and for the children who have a similar background as yours. What is your message to them?
1: College. College is crazy. College, uh, you know, I so when I was a National Merit Scholar, what ended up happening is that they gave me a list of like 50 schools I could have gone to for my full ride scholarship. Right. And uh, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know how to distinguish one school from another. The only thing I really knew was, okay, Harvard is great. But, you know, I didn't know anything. And so I actually picked Auburn University because they had just won a national championship and I figured that that would be a pretty cool place to party. And that's the only thought I put into it. I didn't visit. I just signed up and agreed and then I went. So when I landed in Alabama, I effectively had no idea what I wanted to major in or even what majors were there. I didn't even look and check the majors until the guidance counselor asked me what I wanted to major in. And it kind of continued in that vein. Like as I progressed through college, I had no idea how to access any resources when I needed help. And I needed help quite a bit. So for the first two years, I really just floundered. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where to ask for help or what resources were available to me. And um, for anybody that's coming from a, a strange background, the biggest thing that I think you can do is just ask for help because nobody's going to fault you for asking for help if if you're trying to better yourself. And so there's always going to be some sort of resource, resource available, especially now in the Internet area, or for you to ask questions and just kind of find your own path to success because it's probably out there. You just don't know what it is and you can't know what it is if you haven't seen it before. So accessing whatever resources are around you is super, super important when there's nobody else that can, you know, show you how to follow in their footsteps.
0: And did you go to a college out of state or was that a college in-state? It was out of state. I grew up in New Mexico and then just got on a plane, went to Alabama and had never visited, had no idea what to
1: expect or anything.
0: And I'm sure because you didn't have any family out there, I I have to assume you were in a dorm?
1: Yeah, so that was part of my scholarship. I ended up losing my my dorm rights uh, just for some stupid stuff on my half on my behalf. But, uh, but yeah, I just stepped off the plane and I was the only person I knew for thousands of miles.
0: I mean, when I was watching movies too, that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to college because I knew it was a time to party and to just have fun. That was going to be the, probably the last time uh, until you become an adult and then you have to work and you know you have responsibility. So I think. That was like, you know, my motivation at first that I realized, oh, wait, it doesn't work out like that.
1: Yeah. You get sold the dream of movies like Project X where you think <laughs> everything is going to be wild. And it turns out you just kind of have to study a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you went to college and you wrote a book, Seeing Inside, Concerning Emotional Awareness and Foundation Relationship. Uh, could you talk about mm-hmm. your book?
1: Yeah. So this is kind of going to be a theme, but like, I was also pretty stunted developmentally in an emotional sense. Like all, all of the, the influence that I had was like a poverty mindset and it's really kind of just a struggle for survival. And there wasn't really like those higher levels of like Maslow's hierarchy, like self-acceptance or individualization or all that. So it made it really hard to like know the fundamental stuff of relationships. Like, even considering somebody else's viewpoint instead of just arguing my viewpoint in their head was something that it took me a long time to learn. And so when I wrote this book, it was essentially just like me trying to reach back in time so I can tell myself just some basic things that I wish somebody would have told me, you know, some things that would have saved me a lot of terrible relationship choices, um, would have made me a happier person in general would have made me more and an more amicable friends. Like it's a love letter to myself, in the sense of um, trying to show myself some things I didn't grow. And I, I'm hoping that other people, you know, might be in the same situation and just needed to just need to be shown the words initially, and then they can build their foundation from
0: there. Yeah, I had a conversation last week uh, with Dr. Santos, who is a professor at the university in Nebraska, and we were talking about social responsibility. Uh, And, you know, it was kind of leading to, you know, children that had difficult backgrounds. And, you know, it's really, they don't make themselves vulnerable. They don't open up. And it's really, you know, when it comes to uh, they're, they're going to school, right? You don't know if they're hungry, you don't know what's happening in their household and that affects how they behave and interact with their peers. So, yeah.
1: I mean, it's so hard, right? Because you know that you're mad but it's so hard to say something like I'm mad because I don't feel like I have any value or I feel like a burden to people around me. You know, how do you say those things if you have no idea that that that's what's going on. And then, how does anybody help you with those things if you can't even express
0: it? Yeah, it's managing your emotions. And I, I, he kind of said, too, he was saying, like, let's say somebody was walking down the hallway of the school and they may have accidentally tripped you. And, you know, you may even know that it was an accident, but how you're feeling inside, you just can't look like you're a punk and you got to step up for yourself because you can't, you know, you got to make sure that you're never vulnerable and that uh, nobody disrespects you
1: yeah there's a lot of weird social dynamics i grew up like a total jock. like i played on all the sports teams and there's a super mentality there surrounding all that so and you really don't even understand why you just know that you don't want to be on the outside of the group it's way better to be accepted and so you just fall in line you know it's, it's just easier to give in to social pressure
0: sometimes i'm speaking with alex santiago Uh, You're listening to the Trivium Dad podcast. Alex is a PhD student studying at MD Anderson. Alex, thank you for staying on this podcast and talking to me. It's been my pleasure. It's been great. And you co-founded a biotech company in your living room. Please share your experience with building a company. What challenges did you face and what did you learn as a result?
1: So yeah, again, continuing the same theme. So for a long time, I was a, uh, an executive at this nonprofit. And what we did was we tried to give people experience in biotech who were basically students, whether they're medical students or PhD students or uh, JD students. Uh, they just they needed experience before they graduated. And so that's what we were trying to do. And But we also had this accelerator program. Where uh, students with ideas could come learn how to start a company and then get some of the first steps out of the way, and so we had one of my friends come through from Australia to participate in the company, and um, nobody else really you know was super interested in her idea, but I was so interested that I decided to resign my position so that I could join her company and then uh, we started it in my living room. We had borrowed equipment, we had like borrowed incubators and flasks and all this stuff that just like took over my living room. And we just, again, did not have any idea what we were doing because there was no one around us that had ever done this kind of thing. And so again, we find ourselves in this position where we're just having to create our own resources, but we did it and we took all the hard times and uh, eventually made something from it. So now we have a solid little company that, that yeah, started from next to my couch.
0: And that living room must have been pretty interesting. I mean, having all all that stuff in there, I'm, I was kind of like thinking about Breaking Bad in a sense because it just seemed like that's the picture that came to me. But uh, you know, building yeah, it's a totally company like that,
1: it even it even smelled weird to be honest. But the things that I mean, if if you ever like, if you're interested in starting your own company, like you really have to be this this dual kind of person where you love the idea of your company. So much that you, you you want to stick with this idea through everything, but you also have to be super, super, super flexible because the world might not work in the right way. That it's just going to accept it. So, so it's really tough. Right and now, especially the hardest thing that I'm seeing is that In order to create a company, I have to both grow my baby and adapt my baby to the world around it. And it has been a rough time, but we got hope.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, is is it really like, I know one of the challenges of what I'm trying to do in my community is just getting the capital to invest and to continue to scale and grow. Is that something that you're seeing or is it just building relationships? Oh, it's both. I mean, because at the end of the day, I, there even there's there's research studies that
1: show that you're so much more likely to get a job if the interviewer likes you as a person than if you have a great resume, and that extends to everything. You're way more likely to get money if somebody likes you, and so you always have to be playing both sides of the coin: the logistics and the personal.
0: And you know, I think you know, with starting your company, you you wrote a book, you're a PhD student. I know 1% of uh, the U.S. population acquires a Ph.D. Uh, could you share a little bit about that, your experience uh, going towards that degree?
1: It's tough, man. It's mentally tough because I don't, you know, I'm only, I'm only really aware of like STEM biological studies. But what I do know is that it's a very, very common experience for 90% of the things you do in lab to fail and you they will fail over and over and over again. I ran the same experiment for 7 months before I finally got it good enough to move forward. And so there's this huge mental block where you know you're you're taking this major journey and every step along the way you're beating yourself up, you're not comparing to the people around you, you're not getting any recognition, your experiments aren't giving you data, and so it's this huge mental challenge just to stay with your convictions, to keep showing up every day. And it honestly, it's, it doesn't feel great until you get to the end and then you accomplish something.
0: Yeah. So it's like a, it's like, you got to grit it out and have perseverance. Cause I know a couple of people that, um, that are going for PhDs and that's pretty much it. It's like, it's, it's grueling. It's all the, all the reading, the writing, uh, just staying with it. And it's, and do you feel like you sacrifice your personal life as a result?
1: Yeah, man. There's a lot of working late nights, working weekends, and uh, just not having time for people. And I imagine it's the same way for, for you trying to start uh, your own initiative. You know, it's tough to wade through all of this. And I don't know if you have any founding partners or anything, but especially being like a sole founder and starting anything, like just maintaining that motivation to get up and keep trying, it's
0: rough. Yeah, it is. And it's something that you really got to be passionate about um, because with me, I have three sons, uh, 15, 13 and eight. Um, I have a full time job and I'm trying to start this company in addition to it. So it's really you got to organize your time well and it's really just continuing to persevere through the difficulties because I think the pandemic kind of set me back a bit. With trying to get this company moving, but you know, in due time you just gotta be patient.
1: Yeah, it's really hard when you're trying to set up interpersonal relationships and everybody's just trying to survive.
0: Yeah. That's it. What uh what
1: what 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 is your end goal with this? Like, um what's the big impact for a guy with three sons full time job trying to get a, a major education initiative off the ground?
0: I think really this is just more social responsibility. This is just what I could do uh, personally just to give back to my community. I'm not really trying to make money off of this company more so than to bring money in to continue to help children who come from lower social economic backgrounds that don't have an opportunity to participate in enrichment programs. And I do see that there is value in participating in these programs. So I'm trying to connect these families to the business. It's in the best interest of these companies to to work because then it becomes a win win for everybody. So in the end, it's just I look at this more as my small attempt to just give back.
1: And I love that. And you know, I know it sounds super cliche and everything, but like impact and knowing that you're doing good helps you sleep so much better at night than having a full wallet. You know, like I get, I, you know, nothing has ever felt as good as having impact. So right now, uh, the market that we're in for the company is we're trying to help like alternative meat stuff. So like we're trying to grow hamburgers in a lab basically so that, you know, a bunch of cows don't have to die. And, um, some climate change stuff and you know there's a lot of a big global responsibility in a work like this and honestly that gets me so much more excited than a paycheck and I imagine it is exactly the same for you.
0: Yeah I've worked with people that just wasn't aware of what was happening or what programs they, that was available in the community so yeah it really I mean money will, you know, pay the bills and you know it'll help you retire and everything. But I think there's a higher calling. I think, you know, people people are suffering out there and you're seeing that they're suffering. that's a large problem. But if you could just take a little piece of it and contribute in any way you can, um for me it's like why not?
1: Yeah, you could be somebody's Miss Winters.
0: There you go. <laughs> I think you know we all need it's a small things in life. I could give you an example There was this uh, college student that was walking down a hallway and I was I was walking the opposite direction. And I guess he was going for an interview or something. And he was like, hey, could you could you teach me how to tie this tie real quick? I got to I got to go. I got to go to my appointment. So I was like, yeah, I can show you how to do that. And, And we did that. And I mean, he he probably didn't understand the impact that he had on me because I was like, wow, I, you know, I remember somebody teaching me how to do that. So, <laughs> I mean, he made me he made my day. So it's those little things. It's, you just don't know how you're influencing people.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it could have gone the wrong way. Somebody could have stepped in and, you know, made fun of him for not knowing how to tie a tie. But instead, just treating him as a peer and acknowledging that he's trying to make his life better somehow is, is, is so much. Bigger of a step up than realize it's
0: Probably at that point, you know. Yeah, I remember being like that. I remember when I bought my first suit. <laughs> I didn't know much about it. And you, I don't. You know how the suit has that label that you think that you should keep on, but it's really something that you should take <laughs> off. <laughs> and somebody was like, "Hey, you got to take that off. What are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I, I had no clue." <laughs> so he kind of hooked me up by telling me. But it's those small little things that people just are not aware of, like you know. That, you know, you really, it just is really just helping people in small mm-hmm.
1: ways. You know, you take a step forward, so you can bring somebody with you.
0: There you go. So if you, if the elevator goes to the top floor, send it right back down. Mm-hmm. What should the audience listening today take away from our conversation?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think if I had to say anything, it's just not to be scared. You know, a lot of the times, if you want to, if you want big rewards, then you got to take a big risk and it's terrifying. Or if you want to fit in, but you also don't agree with what a group is doing, so you have to act differently and maybe face getting excluded, don't be scared. You know, No matter what, there's going to be a path to what you want to achieve. And sometimes it's kind of a frightening one, or there's some risk to it, or you might have to do it alone. But if you could just wrap that fear up and chuck it out the window and just take one step All the other steps you're going to follow.
0: Yeah, it's just, you know, not being defeated. It's trying to stay around positive people. So I think that was well Mm -hmm. said. Well, Alex, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I think my audience will uh, benefit from this conversation. Thank you for having me on man. I'm super excited with what you're building here. Thank you. Follow us on social media, U E S -S 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 N Y S. Check out the website, UESNYS.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you for listening.